mainframe. Yo, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Mainframe Podcast. We're your hosts, Dimoth and Onwith, and thank you for tuning into season three of this season's podcast. First and foremost, we would like to thank all of you for making it through season two, as your immense support has allowed us to take our podcast to new heights, and we are grateful for that. With that being said, let's begin season three with the banger, as we got some cryptic news for you guys. And yes, I'm talking about cryptocurrency. On Wednesday night, someone drained the funds from multiple cryptocurrency wallets connected to the decentralized finance platform Badger DAO. According to blockchain security and data analytics PexShield, which is working with Badger to investigate the heist, the various tokens stole, stolen in the attack are worth about $120 million. And while the investigation is still ongoing, members of the Badger team have told users that they believe the issue came from someone inserting malicious script into the UI of their websites. And for any users who interacted with the site when the script was active, it would intercept Web3 transactions and insert a request to transfer the victim's tokens to the attacker's chosen address. And man, Alwood, this is some crazy news because really the theme of this, this entire year with regards to cryptocurrency and security in general is cybersecurity and the malicious threats and malicious attacks that have come from all these various organizations, all these major, major companies and major cryptocurrency sectors, such as Badger DAO, which has really taken a toll on consumers and consumer interest, as well as consumer confidence within cryptocurrency transactions in the market, as well as their own personal and privacy data. Like, what, where, what do you think is the main problem here? What is going on? So I think like basically like cryptocurrency is kind of like a double-edged sword, right? So like on one hand, like all like cryptocurrency is just speculative interest, right? It doesn't have really any inherent value. And with that, with this has been increasing speculative interest, right? That's as we've seen like in the beginning of the year, like especially with COVID um, effects, right? People, get, people have been getting more into stocks, more into cryptocurrency and more speculative interest overall on this, like more of a limelight on these, um, on these cryptocurrencies, right? So that means that it's, like basically a bigger target for any like um any hacker groups to basically like liquidate funds from like a wallet or something like that so basically i think like having so much interest on this like really put the spotlight on it and that's like that's why like they're being specifically targeted right and also if you think about it like if they don't have any inherent interest right like inherent value like bitcoin is like not really like it doesn't have any physical value it's just like people are interested in it so that's why the value goes up that's why it's always so fluctuating it's, that's why it's always like so volatile right so i feel like like i kind of a question for you like you you think like with these um with these like hacker attacks you think like speculated interest is going to go down and subsequently the value i i do think that because every time you see a cyber attack go on these various platforms you see the value of bitcoin and ethereum the two biggest one and even shino in, in you know it, it tanks in value and this is majority due to consumer confidence in investing their own money into the cryptocurrency industry because keep in mind like cyber attacks have grabbed headlines through 2021 as massive di disruptions have affected government agencies major companies and even supply chains for something as simple as essential goods such as gasoline and meat like think of like the start of this year the start of the year started off on a sour security note in january the fbi the national security agency and the cyber Cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency jointly suggested that Russia was responsible for an attack on SolarWinds. Then, further that, midway through the year, there's 
the entire idea of headlining cases of Colonial Pipeline and JBS USA, where both companies were forced to fork over millions of dollars due to ransom attacks uh, and ransom payments via Bitcoin. Right. And after all of these, you have seen the price of them plummet significantly. You see like the price go from 50,000 to 40,000, a 10K difference, which is compounded for each Bitcoin is creates monumental changes. I do think that this is due to consumer confidence. But the problem I see here is where is the solution, right? The entire idea of blockchain, as you said, is a double edged sword, right? You see blockchain, you can make secure private transactions, but that's where the issue occurs. They're private. So you can't ever track them back to the person that is like uh, eliciting these um, ransomware attacks. And that is the main issue I see right now. And the biggest like like the most potent like perpetrator to the entire idea of cryptocurrency becoming the next like real currency aside from the dollar itself like the entire like idea of these ransomware attacks it's not even just like on cryptocurrency if you look at it as a whole like if we want to generalize it just go to data privacy battles right apple fund found itself at privacy crossroads in 2021 um where it had to fend off hacking threats right even recently with like new qualcomm's like privacy nightmares which we will get into later during the podcast right the entire idea of privacy behind these different transactions is like the real issue with actually getting cryptocurrency and making it like the staple um, method of transactions for everything that Americans do or Americans, just like people in general. Yeah, I think like another really interesting thing is that like, like I think I kind of know why it's being like cryptocurrency is being targeted so much, right? It's like unlike money, like cryptocurrency does not leave like a paper trail, right? Like it's pretty much untrackable because like it's all decentralized. There's no one like controlling this whole like influx of Bitcoin exchanges, Ethereum exchanges, and all that stuff, right? So I think that kind of like makes it a bigger target for like these huge like hacker groups to just like um it's easier for them to basically take the money, right? Like they don't have any they don't have much repercussions. Like it might be more work, but there's a way better payout with like significantly less risk, right? Because these are super hard to like trace. Like unless like, for example, like I think we uh, covered another cryptocurrency um, uh, like scandal a couple of episodes ago. I think like it was um, the beginning of season two. I think um, that one, they like the, we wouldn't, we wouldn't know who actually took, did the attack, the cybersecurity attack until like they actually came out and said like, oh, we just did this for fun. We were giving all the money back. So I thought that was actually pretty funny. And like, that's also like a reason like why there's such a big target on cryptocurrency, especially with the increased um, like speculated interest as well. So I also want to kind of talk about like the, like what people are, what that $120 million in crypto that was been, that was stolen is doing right now, right? Like what are they, what, what was their like plan to do with the money, right? Like I was, I was kind of confused about that. I think, I think like the entire idea behind this ransomware attack was for their own private benefit, right? Like when we saw the one on the oil pipeline, right? They're that, over there, they're just doing it, I guess, for fun. And it's, it's kind of funny that they did such a complex attack just for fun. But these people are taking serious. They actually wanted the money. I'm pretty sure like reports have shown that they've actually already liquidified those assets in order to use. And remember, once you liquidify like these Bitcoin transactions, these cryptocurrency transactions, the bills are technically on mark. So you can use them anywhere without being tracked, like the bills itself, which is crazy. Like if we look at like Badger DAO, what what essentially happened was um, they use decentralized finance systems, right? Or for short DeFi, which rely on blockchain technology, which allow crypto owners to perform more typical finance operations like earning interest via a lending system, 
right? And Badger DAO promises that users can rest easy knowing that they never have to give up private keys for their crypto, meaning that they can withdraw anytime and that its protocol allows like people to bridge the Bitcoin Ethereum like platform via its token and take advantage of different opportunities that other people on other platforms might not have access to. But the problem is that once Badger became aware of unauthorized transfers, it pauses all smart contracts, essentially freezing its platform and advise users to decline all transactions to the attacker's address. But what happened like that night that these entire systems like got hacked was that the algorithm being used by these um, attackers were actually able to mimic the accounts themselves. So this ent entire like freezing of their platform and advising users to decline transactions never actually occurs. And this is the main issue, right? The entire thing, it's untraceable. And this, well, this will have like cascading effects on the market, right? If you like look at the current economy right now, although like cryptocurrency is in its infancy stages, it still has like monumental, like exponential effects on the economy itself, right? You decrease the price of the cryptocurrency market as a whole, the stock markets get affected because nowadays all these like Fortune 500 companies or all the companies in the S&P 500, they're using cryptocurrencies as a method of transactions in order to help like retain the value of their assets, right? Instead of just using actual cash which depreciates over time with inflation. So I feel like the entire idea is individuals have to like find a way to make these Bitcoin and make these cryptocurrency transactions more secure. And then this brings up like the whole idea of like, should government, should the government like impose regulations on the cryptocurrency market, right? Right now, there's multiple regulations on the stock market. There's regulations on hard cash, right? Transactions like that. But there's really no governmental, like, I guess, there's no governmental interactions with cryptocurrency. Do you, like, personally, Anwit, do you believe that the government should have more of a role in cryptocurrency and, like, regulating it? Or do you think they should leave it as a laissez-faire market, right? Free market, no, no, like, hindrances from the government. You just allow it to go and correct itself as we go along. Well, I think it would actually be, like, I feel like if you make the government um like regulate this this flow of it like um cryptocurrency it kind of defeats the whole purpose of cryptocurrency right cryptocurrency is a decentralized like network of transactions while regular cash as you mentioned that is being regulated by um you know the federal government that's a centralized system of currency and forms of payment and that's like it kind of defeats the purpose and no, it's also very hard to actually impose regulations on these cryptocurrencies right because if you look at it like it's not like how would they even do it it's through a secure blockchain system what what is there to really regulate right there isn't really even much there to regulate so i think it'd be very hard for them to like even like, i think you know, get into that um like regulations business i think i think the idea of like regulations within the cryptocurrency market comes from the idea that the government should impose methods like let's say just look at like coinbase right it's one of the premier ways of selling and trading cryptocurrency i think the idea is whenever you create a transaction through coinbase it goes sent through the like blockchain system right so you can't track the transaction but what you do is with government regulations they can require coinbase to mark the transaction itself in coinbase's database saying this transaction is going through we don't know where it's going through and how it's getting there because that's the blockchain but we know that it's going through at this time right i think that is the idea like that receipt is what will come through government like regulations and i feel like if those receipts and like or more prevalent in like 
the entire cryptocurrency industry, then we see like less of these ransomware attacks because now there's a higher chance of being caught because now there's a point of reference to go from when conducting these investigations into market fraud or uh, market ransomware. As I think there's like, like a there's like a pretty big critical flaw in that, right? So if you think about it, the whole like point of blockchain is that that receipt that you're talking about that is being checked by randomly by anyone in that any node in that um system that whole network of blockchain right like any single computer in that like any single node in that network could check if your receipt is right and check it with another computer like that's how all this stuff is protected right because say say like coinbase logs one of the receipts like at what time um this transaction was done that means that also need to be logged on the user's end as well right so if you match those two you easily know who's who's selling or giving that Bitcoin. That's why Bitcoin is so popular in like the dark web and stuff, because it's essentially untraceable. That's the whole premise of it, right? It's for security, privacy. It's basically all, it's everything that the US dollar is not. And that's like, if you basically impose the regulations, it defeats the whole purpose of cryptocurrency. Thus the speculated value will drop significantly. And there's really like, we'll just go back to how it was when it was in its infancy, basically. So I feel like you can't, you can't really have the government. I mean, they could impose regulations, like it's possible. But like I wouldn't, I would want to see the point to it, right? Because you that basically be like killing the whole premise of the whole purpose, like vitality that like is Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Right, because like several state governments have proposed, right, and passed laws affecting cryptocurrency and blockchain technology, um, with most of them really being in the benefit of more privacy per se, right? Like take for example, Wyoming has been mentioned like constantly as a state seeking broader impact on its economy. And in order to further this objective, Wyoming actually passed legislation allowing for the creation of a new type of bank or special purpose depository institution with cryptocurrency focused banks that can act as both a custodial and um, financiary capacity, which are meant to allow businesses to hold digital assets safely and legally. And this state has been praised for this, right? And take another state, like Colorado passed a bipartisan bill exempting cryptocurrency from state securities regulations, right? That is one area that I tech, I personally do not agree with, exempting cryptocurrencies from state securities regulation, because at the end of the day, cryptocurrency is still an asset, right? If you're going to impose state security regulations on assets such as such as stocks right you have to also impose on assets such as cryptocurrency right which i do i do understand it does go against the premise of cryptocurrency right but if we really like look at the essence of cryptocurrency right cryptocurrency is a method of exchange right me this methods of exchange throughout like history in the world and the economy have always been monitored right the only difference with cryptocurrency is that the transactions are occurring on an anonymous level right but if we can like impose regulations on cash level transactions then we should also be doing it on crypto currency level transactions you can still send it through the blockchain system i don't have a problem with that but we still need to be able to figure out a way to know where the money is going because with what's happening with cryptocurrencies there's a lot of illegal transactions and money laundering occurring in in like the market right and this is like perpetrated all these people to be like oh if we go through cryptocurrency that's the best place to steal money from this one individual and i feel like overall that just hurts the market as a whole yeah i mean i totally understand that right like, like say for example like one of these bills gets passed right you talk about some bipartisan bills like privacy and like all that say it does get passed but i think what they feel is like really like take into account 
is that even if it does get passed, what are the far like reaching like impacts of those bills, right? Like as I mentioned, like these these um like prices of the like basically value of these cryptocurrencies will fall like drastically, right? Like it would basically take a huge hit. And that's like although like they still like protect some of the basic premises, like who's gonna like invest in it again to like bring it all the way back up, right? It's not like it, it, it's like it's too volatile to really mess with it at this point right like once it gets more stable like if you i think by 2030 2040 all the bitcoin that could be mined will be mined and no new ones will be like like rehashed or like um basically spawned into the network right i think at that point when all this like value basically like um stabilize i think then all the all like this these bills should be passed not right now it's like it's like it is infancy right say for example like back when the first US dollar, like remember like back in the uh, colonial days when every state had a different currency system. Say for example, you pass like some kind of um, like privacy bill then that basically that like, kills the, like the, whatever the currency they had in like in its infancy. You don't want to do that, right? So like, I think wait for it to mature. And then after that, we can introduce some legislation to better protect individuals, better protect businesses and overall just make it a safer place, safer means of exchange. I think that's pretty, that should, that should be our ultimate goal. I mean, that does make sense. You know, that actually, like, it kind of reminds me of, like, what um, Gensler actually spoke about, like, a couple months ago. I think he said something like, right now, like, the biggest problem with cryptocurrency is tax, IRS track crypto uh, tax evasion. But the fact that he said, like, the fact is the SEC really doesn't have a plan to stop these crimes because they don't want to exercise the full extent of its power because it might feel like they're overstepping on like the rights of citizens, which I, I do understand your point there. Another thing, but one like perspective, I guess, I would sort of like to bring up, I guess is, is my, like what I'm, the example I'm about to give isn't really a fair, I guess, or parallel comparison, but just like, hear me out. If you, let's take the COVID-19 pandemic for a second, right? If you have the COVID-19 pandemic right now and people are dying because of it, right? Would you pipe millions and millions of dollars from the government budget to help stop it now? Um, knowing that there are going to be repercussions in the future, right? Or are you just not going to like, are you just going to let these people die right now, I guess, and know that there's no economic um, harms left in the future for the future generations? What, what would you say? Um, like what what terms do you want me to make my response? Like economic terms, medical, like people like economic. in general? economic no, like, no, in general like what would you do in general like if you if you take everything into account right like, obviously the moral right decision would be like if i said anything else like i would like that that wouldn't be right like, the moral human principles right yeah the Wait, basic yeah, so. moral principle is that like we should save them right but that that can't be extrapolated to uh cryptocurrency right like, so, I, ho I hope you understand I, like, I, I, yeah i i understand that but the point i guess i'm trying to make is like people are losing money right now and people are losing their livelihoods right now and their entire economy is being affected through these ransomware attacks right so i'm saying like if we don't address it now even though it's not as cryptocurrency isn't as stable now and it might affect like how cryptocurrency tra traverses in the future we still have to help these people now right we can't just say oh it's not stable now we can let these people like quote unquote suffer even though i know that's not what you really want to happen but eventually that's basically what's going to happen in order for it to stabilize in the future that, that that's my point of view i guess on that okay okay let, let, let me give you a proposition real quick did we just solve your problem here right all right so let's take let's okay let's let's see this right 
So what most of the people who invest in cryptocurrency, they're not putting their life savings in cryptocurrency, right? Like right. if you think about it, right? Stocks, you only put money into stocks knowing that like that money's lost, right? Like that, like basically if you put it into stocks, you act like you never had that money in the first place. And that's kind of the same principle that's that the mindset you want to go on with, yes. Yeah, that's basically the mindset people have. There's very few people putting their life savings, like all their money into cryptocurrency. Like everyone knows how volatile it is. That percentage is probably like one, maybe not even one, maybe like half a percent of all cryptocurrency investors, right? But there's also another, uh, there's, there's a solution to your problem, right? So that they do like lose all their money, they're lively, but like obviously we can't let that happen, right? I would say propose a similar like infrastructure to how it was back in the day when um, banks used to get like robbed and stuff, right? Say like the bank had like a vulnerability, someone stole all the cash. Um, the I the uh, the government used to actually fund like up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars in lost money. Like even if like it was completely lost, they never got it back. The government would put two hundred fifty thousand dollars if you had more than that or less than that that much into your account if it was all lost, right? So basically, I would say institute a similar um, like legislation to that, right? Basically, if it's like within like two hundred thousand dollars, like um, like basically reinstate that money if it's get if it gets lost in like a ransomware attack, any of these cybersecurity attacks, right? I feel like that's like a good compromise until the value of cryptocurrency basically stabilizes in like the next ten to twenty years. Yeah, but you see, that's where you just contradict your, yourself because it's an inherent like flaw in that, right? Because if you're gonna do it like that, where the government reimburses your losses, right? What's to say right now, the price of these aren't stable, right? So today it might be 50,000, tomorrow it's 40,000. What what dollar amount are you gonna compensate the individual with? Because remember, you don't know when these transactions occurred because it's going through blockchain. Right, so you well, so I mean, you, you don't you don't need to know the trend when the transaction occurred. All you need to know is what the value of that bank account, that coin, like for example, like Coinbase account was at the moment it was um it was yeah, like that's the it was at the it was at the victim of a ransomware attack. That's the you problem. don't need to know the value of it now, right? Like if you think about it, like they could have done anything with it like after that, right? Say say the ransomware attack didn't happen, they could have they could have like pulled the money straight out like a day later. They could have invested it in a different coin. You couldn't you can't extrapolate it like that. It's also similar to like. Like for say for example like an inflation value right so like um uh for example the, like a hundred thousand dollars of my bank account was like stolen and it's been like the IRS pays it back after a year right they put it back into my account after a year would they give the inflated value or would they give you the original value they would give you the original value right I, I feel like it would fall the same premise here yeah okay but see that's the thing like if you when you get to my point the what I was trying to say is you don't know what the value is when the transaction occurred because it's going through blockchain. They don't keep track of that. Right, right well, now. You don't, like, you, don't well, need, you don't need to know, right? Like all you need to know is like that all all that happens, all that like transaction to that whoever that hacker group's account is, it happens instantaneous instantaneously. All you you'll have it in your like bank, like whenever like the the um their security was breached, right? They'll have timestamps on it. They have cybersecurity systems advanced enough to record that. They don't need to know when the transaction occurred through Bitcoin terms necessarily, right? They could do it through um, like any of the security loggings. They'll know that who accessed the account, what, what happened. And then at that point, they'll reimburse that, that specific amount that was lost. I'm not necessarily true that they actually know the time because I'm pretty sure what do you like, do the transaction through the block the blockchain system they don't record timestamps on there no they, they, they don't they obviously don't like but all you need to know is like 
to get access to that 120 million dollars in funds, right? They have to sec- like breach the security system somehow, right? All you need to know is when they breached it. They don't, you don't need to know when the trans when the money hits their account, right? Because that happens instantaneously. So with like that small margin of error, like that maybe like five to ten minutes between when they breached the security account to、um, when the transaction actually occurred, you could just mark that up to margin of error. Just give them the the amount that was lost at the point of the security at the highest、breach. margin. Okay, so exactly. exactly. That was my issue, like that margin of error, because right, if someone has like ten bitcoins, that margin of error amounts to twenty thousand dollars, right? So that that was my main concern with that、um, proposal that you're saying, but. I think the reason the IRS doesn't do that anymore is because of the heavy like overhead cost in order to actually like oppose that. That's why I think they left it to the privatization of banks. But I I, I can see like your stance on that. But like I want to sort of transition right. We're talking about the entire idea of ransomware with regards to cryptocurrency. I also want to transition a little bit towards like privacy in general as a whole, right? Because. Privacy has been a landmark of 2021, right? From something as simple as Apple like provoking controversy of their new proposed feature that scans its devices for images、um, in order to flag them, or like even look at like Robinhood or webhost GoDaddy, wireless carrier carrier T-Mobile, who are among the companies to report data breaches that resulted in com- customer information being stolen, or even look to California Pizza Kitchen and McDonald's. Who both re- reported breaches that compromised data related to their operations, and employees were released. And cybersecurity's criminals stole data from video game companies such as EA, Electronic Arts, that includes the source code for games such as FIFA 21, NBA 2K. Right? Privacy has been a major stickler, and I feel like the cybersecurity industry as a whole isn't being able to、um, keep markup and like actually see this as a prevalent issue. Right? Look at all these companies are essentially saying like we can have security breaches and as and if all they're taking is customer data we don't really care because customers don't really care right even look to like the recent news about Qualcomm Qualcomm is now、um, installing a new always-on smartphone camera which is a potential privacy nightmare and essentially what this is is you know how your phones. For our listeners, you know how your phones have Face ID. If you have an iPhone, this is essentially Face ID, but instead of projecting a, like million different dots at your face to see like the shape of your face, it just mat- uses AI algorithms to match your face, right? Say this picture of you looks like a picture of you in real life. It's right. But the problem is, Qualcomm is planning to make this feature like on 24/7, which brings up privacy concerns that they might be reporting at all times. Sell your data to China's government, right? Why do you think like customers just don't really care? Because I saw this like statistic, like like when I was researching about this topic, right? Consumers don't actually take action against data breaches, and according to Valquest Twenty One, he found that seventeen percent of the consumers who did not act、um, when they received a breach notice didn't know what to do when they received it. Fourteen percent thought that. Um, data breach notifications、um, through the correspondence were a scam. So people really don't think that data breaches are that big of an issue, right? So do you think this is sort of perpetrating these companies being like, oh, it's okay if a little bit of data gets out, and resultantly not, I guess, investing more money into their cybersecurity industries? I mean, I can definitely see like the perspective of the average consumer, right? I, I myself, and we, pretty much everyone here, is the average consumer, right? Right.、So、like, if you think about it, like. What data do I really have that I really care about? Right, nothing much. Like Instagram data, not much. Just scrolling through the feed. I don't really care if they have that data, right? But if you think about it, what would these like 
hackers really want with my data? What, what are they going to do with my data, right? They're not going to do anything with it. What they're going to do is sell it to the companies that could do. They'll sell it to places like Facebook, places like basically any like marketing company to like give targeted advertisements. Like they really have zero use for that data, right? Like what's the point of doing a data breach if you have like no use for it? But they can resell it to other big companies that could make use of that data. So I kind of understand it, like some perspective of the consumer, but they also got to be like, they can't be ignorant of the fact of what those ransomware people are even going to do with your um, information, right? They need, they need these um, like information so they can sell it to the bigger companies, which can therefore do like higher advertising. And you see many consumers are like advocating for like, oh, um, Facebook is like basically giving me so much targeted advertising, they're stealing all my data. But guess guess what? They they got like half their data from like attacks, like um, like hardware attacks, all these cybersecurity attacks. Like it's, they gotta be like, they gotta know the full picture, right? Like you can't just like see half the story and be like, oh, it's Facebook. It's purely Facebook's problem. But it is, there are all, there are two sides of the story. Facebook also had this like part of the issue, but it's also part of the consumers like being ignorant on the fact that their data is being stolen and stuff. So like, I feel like that's kind of like perpetuating this whole like, um, like consumers don't really care about their data. Yeah, you know what's crazy <laughs> is that the, the government is actually taking like these things like with serious like like serious significance like the U.S. military, they, like I'm 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 you're hearing this right. The U.S. military has gone on the offensive against ransomware groups and U.S. companies increasingly becoming targets of malware attacks. This the nation's top cyber defender acknowledged on Saturday. Now, up until nine months ago, reigning in ransomware attacks was seen as the responsibility of law enforcement agencies, the head of the U.S. Cyber Command and the director of the National Security Agency, the NSA. And they have told us that attacks like the ones at Colonial Pipe, Pipeline and JVSB plants have been impacting our critical infrastructure, leading federal agencies to ramp up the gathering and sharing of intelligence on ransomware groups. And I find this really interesting because I think this really ties back to the whole like idea of the NSA and you know what happened um, with the NSA with them actually like get recording data on US citizens itself, right? We all know about the stories, right? About how the NSA was running this big operation to um, go through every single citizen's data and then use that data in order to help target like crime, right? Do you believe right. that this is gonna happen again? Like this that entire idea? Because me personally, like, I find it kind of like hypocritical that the government is doing this because they're going into a sector where they're saying, oh, all these companies have all this data, they're letting it go. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna go look at that same data, right? And then use that to attack the people trying to steal that same data that we already have access to, if you see what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I guess like, well, well first of all, I don't, I don't know the full story around this, right? Like if you think about it, like they could have their reasons for like taking the data and like, like it could be for security reasons and stuff, right? But thing is like the general population doesn't really care about that. They care about, oh, you're taking my data. Yeah. And I don't like it. And, and like, just wait, just quickly for clarification, I'm talking about like the entire Edward Snowden situation. How Snowden was like an insider on the NSA and he leaked the information saying the government was looking at American citizens' data. So just quickly. Was it like, was that what was the statement true? Like, yeah, it was were? true. No, it was like a national headlines. So I'm like, if, if you're not sure about it, I can quick quick rundown right um yeah give a quick recap um he worked for the nsa and he worked through these different projects in hawaii and in hawaii and japan and he created this infrastructure where they use data to actually like 
his original intent was to use this data to find terrorists, right? But what happened is he figured out that his technology that was being used was actually being used to spy on American citizens and get data on them. And that was the entire thing. And then he essentially worked as a whistleblower to tell everyone like, oh, this is what the government's doing. And then this made national headlines, right? And then after that, the NSA shut down its operations. But that's a whole different story for another day. Yeah, I think like, well, the government, like it's not new that the government's been taking data from like the citizens, right? Like it's been, it's been done for like, if you think about it, the whole like US census is basically a huge, data gathering metric for the us right like this is just another like metric being added on top of that so i feel like it's not really it's like personally i don't think it's that big of a deal right like they can have like what are they going to do with my data like they don't have particularly any malicious intent to my knowledge i don't i don't i don't think it was like the idea that i don't think people actually care that they're looking at the data i think it was just the principle but i mean like if you there's a lot of like principle things like wrong with yeah there is like the like society and like i feel like this is not something that should be really focused on like it's not like personally and i think a lot of other people can share this opinion like it's not it's not that serious i guess like what are they going to do with your data right if it's for security purposes it's probably for security purposes there's probably no malicious intent behind it the principle it's not that serious like there's plenty of other issues that we can allocate resources to but, like i kind of want to touch base on the um qualcomm issue right i thought it's like really yeah. interesting with um like the always on camera for the facial recognition via algorithm, right? Because like if you think about it, like it's not just Apple who uses a dot projector to essentially map out your face in a 3D um, map, contour map, right? Like it's basically not like it's not it's nothing new technology, right? If you think about it, Apple has basically been reusing technology for years, right? Like they've come up with um, Touch ID and I was an iPhone 5s. But Samsung had that for literally two years before them. It's nothing new that they've been stealing technology. And like, it's basically like, I kind of find it confusing why Qualcomm would go towards the efforts to basically innovate in this, like, it's like needless innovation. I know we talk like companies in, in need innovation, but this is basically needless innovation, right? Like why would they go to the lengths to basically develop their own AI to like match how your face looks at that moment with your phone in your face compared to like, um, relative to like whatever picture that you uploaded into it. Like it, that kind of seems unnecessary unless they had like a malicious intent, right? Like for example, they could have just used um, like a similar system to Apple, like in terms of the dot projector, they could project something similar to that and then gone the same results. Like I kind of find it confusing why they went a different route when they that had an right. easier route. I think the reason is I don't think they found the need to, right? If you look at all their Android competitors, like even Samsung, Samsung new phones, which utilize Face ID, they're not utilizing Apple's like dot production software, which is like 100% more secure. They're just using an AI algorithm that just compares pictures of yourself, right? To match say, oh yeah, no, this is the right person. This is this is definitely the person, right? That's what they're doing. So I think they see like, oh, like people using Samsung, they're getting away with it. So I guess we can do it too. But so I, I I don't I don't fault them for that. I think the whole idea comes based on the fact that they want to keep it on 24/7, right? When there's really no like necessary need to keep it on 24/7, like unless there's a malicious intent. We have to like realize a lot of these like phone companies like coming from China, right? They're funded by the Chinese government, right? And we've seen like issues with Huawei, right? One of the big like sticklers or big controversial things that have happened with Huawei is the fact that they have been um, 
utilizing our data when they sell phones to America, they've been utilizing the data and sending it to the Chinese government, which is a huge, huge security concern. So I do think that, but do you think at this point it's super duper, like very speculative? So don't take our opinion with a grain of salt with this. Do you think this is essentially what, what's happening with Qualcomm? I feel like it's it's a similar thing, right? So if you think about it, like Qualcomm is also a Chinese-based company, and there were like talks about banning Qualcomm as well, right? Like um in in the U.S. Like for example, like you know Qualcomm supplies the chips for pretty much every single major Android phone except Google now, but the Google Tensor yeah. chip, as we um, talked about in a previous episode of the podcast. So like that is kind of unpractical to like ban that. Like the U.S. knew it. Like there were talks about banning it as well. Like it's not really practical since like that infrastructure basically lays the foundation for like half of the consumer electronics market, yeah. right? So like it doesn't that doesn't make sense. But, like now the talks are like with this always on thing. Like they think like they got away with that, right? But they're trying to get away with more. Like they're they're like they're biting off more than they can chew at this point, right? If you think about it, like um China, they've already been implementing the facial recognition like systems like out in the public, right? I've seen like things that like stop lights that like immediately um like identifies you and like sees if you're wearing a mask or whatever like for, like especially with the i think was it it was like some um country in asia right it was like um they were like there's like protests and stuff and there was like facial recognition to see who was doing it and they like arrested the people like a few days later oh something that, like yeah, that. That, that was that was in china that's that was in china right yeah yeah i was just checking if i got my information right so like so that they've they've done that before and i think like it's not it's not really that much of a stretch to think that they would do the same thing with Qualcomm, right? Qualcomm, like they already have this huge infrastructure with all these like companies um like using their chips and stuff. So like it's not that much of a stretch that they would use that same infrastructure and leverage that to help out the U- the Chinese government who's basically been giving them grants, funding them, getting them exposure and all that stuff, right? So it's, it's not really that much of a stretch, in my opinion. Yeah, and see, and like just to like make sure our use our listeners like that you guys aren't don't get convoluted on onward stands, right? The, on with the saying like when when he says like privacy is not a big deal it's not a big deal the way the united states is using it in order for true security concerns but what china has been doing is they've been utilizing the name true security concerns to actually get rid of humanitarian like rights within citizens to like be able to lead protests and like question his government stuff so, that, that that that's like the major difference in stance so i just want to like clarify that exactly if you think like China has a huge like it's not really a democratic society, right? Oh, it's, not, it's, not like, at all. It's, it's not communist either, but it's like, yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know what it is, but but like it's it's something, but like it doesn't have like a free speech type, um, like ideal like we do, right? Like it's part of the constitution, like freedom yeah. of speech here. Like we can say whatever we want, we can like clown on the president, we can clown on literally every anyone and not have any like significant repercussions, but it's nothing like that in China. There's huge censorship and even more in North Korea. If you think about like, you know what I thought like, it's really funny, it's kind of on a tangent, not really related, but like North Korea, they faked their own um, World Cup to show that they won to their own citizens, right? No I way. thought that was crazy. No, they like, they created their own highlight reel and everything. Like they, Bro. they're basically dead last in the World Cup and like, it's so, like, it's, it's, I thought it was like really funny, but it's, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that's kind of funny, bro. I mean, it's, it's not really related, but it's, it's like, like, yeah, wait, oh, yeah, just like just to further that tangent just a little bit. Oh, do you want, can you hear me? Yo, yeah, I'm back, I'm back. Okay, sorry. Uh, did you did you hear what I said? Uh, no, no, I didn't, I didn't. I was, I was just, I was just saying, like, um, 
Kim Jong Un and North Korea, they actually banned um, people from wearing leather jackets so people don't steal Kim Jong Un's strip. Yeah, I saw that. I thought that was actually really funny, right? Yeah, like, it's basically like he's molding his country into the way that he sees fit, right? That's like the definition of like a dictatorship. And, and they, they don't shy away from it, they, they know they're dictatorship. But that's kind of on tangent that like, it kind of strays away from our point here, right? Yeah. It's like, if we think, if like, China has a huge censorship problem, right? Like they don't allow their citizens to say what they want, like put bad press into like their, um, their like president and stuff. Like I think I heard a story on, um, I think well, it was some Netflix show. I think it was called Patriot Act or something. There was like a whole story done on censorship on in China. It was like a, there was like a guy who spoke out on China, and then like a few days later, um, like he, like to the president, he said it to the president. A few days later, like no one found him right like they're basically this this feel this feels like surreal right like it's like a dystopian society like if you say something wrong they'll find you hunt you down get the fb the chinese fbi and basically make sure you're never found again i feel like this is like this is that's like absurd to me like i could never imagine living in a society like that i know many people can't either but it's just the way it is there so like we got to take that into account when we're like when we're seeing these like cybersecurity issues right they definitely do have some sort of malicious intent and I think that we shouldn't, like, if we take into account that history of their actions, like, it can definitely be seen that it's definitely malicious. And I think that's, like, that's a huge privacy concern that we should all take into account and basically right. give more consideration. Like, I, I personally believe, like, without, like, proper, like, accountability, without holding individuals accountable, I feel like technology or just, like, basic consumer technology specifically, consumer technology will be the next gateway to, um, like like misuse of information right like there's so much information that comes from just your handheld device right your phone or even just your tv screen monitors like what shows you utilize right it's not that hard to implement that software if you're like samsung or someone right and without holding like individuals accountable those that data from that from these different sources which are critical to um, operating in modern day society are going to be the downfall and are going to be the reason why um countries such as like china take advantage of consumer technology through companies such as qualcomm because you best believe if this is going through like china right china is funding and have heavily subsidizing qualcomm to do the take these actions right which not only decreases competition right through like specific government funding of just one company but also decreases consumer satisfaction and overall it infringes on consumer rights yeah i think like it's like Qualcomm is like a huge business, right? Like it's like, like I don't understand why it still needs to take these grants from like subsidies from the government, right? Like it's already like pretty much self-sustaining, has plenty of cash flow coming in. Like what's what's like stopping them from basically? I, I get actually never that that's kind of a stupid question, right? There's a lot of stuff stopping them from like cutting their ties with the Chinese government. But I just want to kind of touch on like your whole like argument about um like how consumer electronics has been like, it's gonna be the gateway to like, so many security vulnerabilities, right? I feel like that's, it's already been like that for years, right? Just the way someone uses their phone or like any like handheld device can give so much information about it. Like through like, um through uh like your daily habits, like you open uh, your emails first day in the morning, you look at you which emails you open, all that information can give so much, can give basically like draw you in like a computer like in the computer's mind right like it's basically everything like it basically shows your personality what you like what you don't like and everything like that that can give so much leverage to these like marketing companies like especially to china show them like what 
basically just taking a survey of what their citizens are like and what U.S. citizens are like. Like, I feel like that's a huge security vulnerability, and I feel like that's a very important point that really needs to be taken into account more, right? Like, I feel like there needs to be like proper legislation that needs to be updated for like consumer electronics. We already have it updated for like with somewhat updated for like social media stuff, right? Still needs to be updated, but like I feel like this whole like consumer consumer privacy is a really big issue in the tech industry. And it's kind of, I guess, I would say, I would say, it was the most prevalent issue in the tech industry, if not like basically, right? You know, that's funny you bring that up because that that just like reminded me of our episode about, I guess, uh, the meta the metaverse, right? Because the metaverse, it's basically mapping your daily life based off of your interaction with your phone. If we really think about it, I mean, yeah, that's that's basically it. Is like I feel like all companies are trying to like. I mean, this this truly feels like a dystopian like society to me. Right, like we're at a point where like companies and government are colluding to basically like like project not it every, down. Not every country, just no, no, not not not, yeah. not every country. Like this is just a unique case, like case uh, use case, right? Like, it's, this just this, this is not a trap. It's like every every country. So I feel like it's really interesting how like all these companies and um, governments like uh like basically communicating with each other to like basically like bring the essentially the downfall of like other companies and other governments like especially with like china and qualcomm versus the us and its own companies yeah that's like, it. yeah yeah like the entire future of how like cryptocurrency right the security vulnerabilities there the security vulnerabilities with regards to consumer electronics and personal data is really going to be one of the defining like questions of of our like generation like gen z right and how, the, how we tackle that issue is going to help dictate the future for years to come where the entire metaverse and entire online personas like the entire digital age takes a monumental shift um going to future centuries for sure for sure i definitely think so as well you are now leaving the mainframe all right guys that's it for this week's episode of the mainframe podcast thank you for listening and be sure to tune in for new episodes every friday Take care and peace.